Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Eric. I teach people how to raise livestock on the land. And I teach people the Bible. I play a little banjo. And I play bass. I'm a passionate bow hunter. And I'm a die-hard Badgers fan. Together we're just two common folk trying to pursue Jesus. And live out our faith beyond Sunday's sermon. All right, well, we're both kind of dragging a little bit this morning. We are. This is my, my sixth cup of coffee. So <laughs> I, at this point, I don't think it's actually doing anything anymore. I don't really know why. I mean, it's kind of a nicer morning. Yeah. Um, you know, considering where we're at in the year. It's not raining. There was not a lake in my yard this morning when I woke up. The so. snow is slowly disappearing. Yeah, my uh, sump pump has been... Really making its money these past yeah. this past week. I thought Mine it might uh, thought it might actually take off and fly away like a <laughs> rocket ship. It's been going nonstop. Yeah, well, um, having days when you're not quite feeling it, I guess, is part of life. Yeah, I think that's where. Yeah, not to get too philosophical right off the bat, but I've I found that that tends to be where like the real the real direction is set is on, on those days. Like, can you at least kind of hold the car on the road on those days? Like there's other days where you really like make a ton of progress. And then there's days where you're like, all right, can I just keep the car on the road today? And if I can do that, that's a win and not sabotage what I've been doing. You know, I usually can tell when I'm having a day like that, when I kind of have my normal, morning routine so I get up and I get a cup of coffee and then I go sit down to read and if after a period of time I realize that I haven't been doing anything except just staring off in space yep and then I'll take I'll go to take a drink of coffee and it's cold yep it's like holy cow I sat here a long time doing nothing I'm right with you I think we're very similar because I always my my alarm goes off I get up at 5 30 every day I just make myself and I'm usually pretty good at like I I get up and get out of bed and then I usually go right for the coffee that's like my first thing and then it's like a matter of like on a good day I'll be doing stuff while I'm drinking my coffee like I'll empty the dishwasher and kind of be going and then other days it's like I grab my coffee and just sit on the couch (laughs) and then usually it's the op it's not the coffee's cold it's usually that I'm like oh, I can't wait to get some of this coffee in me and my cup's empty already. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, that's not good. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess that's not um, totally disconnected from what we were talking about yesterday at church. No, Um, not at all. I think it's it's pretty connected. It's, we talked a lot about faking it. Yeah. You know, that was kind of the, the heart of it is not faking it and especially when it comes to love not trying to parade like fake love around for the show um that makes me think of the pretty common saying fake it till you make it yeah terrible advice is it it's terrible is it biblical no i don't think so um i mean it depends so there I, i even mentioned during worship yesterday the idea of Gideon and how like God called him by a name that didn't fit yet and so like you could look at that and say well yeah Gideon he faked it because he was like I'm I'm nobody I am the worst of the worst and God's like hey mighty warrior and so you could be like well yeah he faked it but he didn't though he was like God that's not me 
And God's like, that's okay. Just keep going. And so Gideon obeyed, but it wasn't like, he's like, you know what? I am awesome. And I'm going to make it look like I'm awesome to everybody around. Like, so I think that, that whole idea of like, just pretend like you're someone you're not is not good advice. Yeah. So I guess as, as I first said, fake it till you make it, what I was thinking is like, well, we both admitted to each other before we started this morning that we're just not quite feeling it. Yep. Um, but here we are doing this anyway. Yep. But I don't necessarily think that's the same as faking it. I th- we, we started out by, by um, hopefully showing a little humility and saying, hey, uh, you know, some mornings we are like enthusiastic and just hitting the ground running and ready to share. And this morning is a little bit of like, we know we're supposed to be doing this and that's why we're doing it. Yeah. Well, and it's totally different. Like, so I actually got that advice when I first started in ministry and it was, it was terrible advice and it messed me up for a while, but that was one of the first pieces of advice I got was fake it till you make it. (laughs) So if you aren't sure of yourself, just pretend like you know what you're doing. And, um, that that was not good advice but i then i got really good advice which is do it scared like you're going to be scared but then just do it scared and to me that's way better advice is like when it may not be scared do it tired do it sick do it whatever and, and by do it sick i don't mean like go in when you have the flu but like just understand like there's going to be times where you're not going to be at your best and that's okay. Just give what you have. To me, that's way better advice than fake it till you make it. Because I've always defaulted to, um, I don't know if showing humility is the right term. I think it is, but I think um, authenticity. I don't want it to sound like I'm saying I am a humble person. Sure. But what I'm saying is my approach is always yeah authenticity. So like in my world, I speak to farmers. Mm-hmm. If someone in my world fakes it, they're not going to make it because there is no better person in the world at detecting whether you're full of it or whether you know what you're talking about. They can tell right away. And if you try to fake it till you make it, they're going to call you on it and they're not going to listen to you anymore. Yep. And so when there's been moments like that, I've just, tried to sh- use humility as my way out of it. Like, Hey, I understand what you're asking. I don't know. Yep. Or, you know, I'm not an expert in this particular thing or whatever. Yep. Um, well, so. and people notice, I think that's what you have to just give people more credit. Like if like they might not know what they're sensing, but like, if you are really like unsure of yourself or if you are really struggling people will sense something is off. And so if you aren't open and real, I mean, you don't have to share everything, but if you aren't willing to at least just be like, yeah, I'm just, I'm off today or something, what most people will do because this is a human condition is they will make it about themselves and they'll assume that you're mad at them or they've done something wrong or there's something weird between your relationship. So in trying to fake that everything's fine when it's not, oftentimes you actually mess up relationships because people sense something 
And if you aren't telling them what it is they're sensing, they're going to be like, well, maybe he's mad at me or maybe I did something wrong or maybe I shouldn't have said that. And and for me, it's like being authentic about just where I'm at. It helps in my relationship so that people aren't assuming that I'm mad at them or they did something wrong because um, I think that's one of the biggest problems with faking it is people will sense something's up and if you refuse to tell them what's up, then they're going to make assumptions and usually the assumptions are worst case scenario. So most of the time people fake something in order to get credence or credibility. Yeah. But the ironic thing is, is uh, what seems to get us more credence and credibility at times is just being authentic. Absolutely. Well, and I think it's because, and it was funny. So one of the young men in our church after second service came up and and asked just some really good questions about um, the sermon, just for like clarification on things. And, And in explaining it to him a little bit more, I ended up going deeper into, I had mentioned in the second service, I don't think I even mentioned it in the first service, the the parable of the woman with, with the the two coins Mm -hmm. and how it was like, they were, they were worth very, very little, but it was all she had. And it was, she gave what she had. And just talking about how, when we come to church, like when we show love to God, just give what you have. And even if you're not super happy with what you have, just give what you have and don't, fake it don't create a character and then worship as a character that's not even real because god is saying i don't want that and just in explaining it to him it was like okay so that that woman gave whatever let's say that's the equivalent of one penny like if you were to if you were to come to to church and you had one penny to give that would feel pretty crummy and like you would definitely be tempted to be like i need to not give this because this is, you know, embarrassing to give one penny. But it's like, if, if, if I were to, instead of that say, well, I only have a penny to give, I'm going to take a piece of paper and draw a picture of Porky Pig and write one gajillion dollars on it and give that. It's like, that is worth less because it's not real. Like the penny is at least real currency. And, and, and when you give that, you are giving something that has actual value And when we create these things because we want the amount to be big, but it doesn't matter the amount. You can write whatever number you want. And if it's not real, it's not worth anything. And so that was my challenge is like, if it's a penny, just give what's real because if you make something up, it has no value anyways. That's really speaking to me right now just based on uh, when you walked in this morning and I showed you my calendar yeah. and I'm trying to figure out how to balance everything out between my job, my farm and my family. Yeah. Busy schedule in the family. It's the time of year we have to start getting stuff ready on the farm. It's also the time of year in my profession where I'm in demand to yeah. be places and stuff like that. And there's no possible way to balance all of it. Yeah. So now I have to start learning how, what to say yes to, what to say no to, and stuff like that. But if I don't develop that skill, all I'm going to be doing is trying to keep up with everything because I'm so worried about the perception of what's it going to look like if I say no? What's it going to look like if my kids don't participate in this thing? What's it going to look like if we don't have 
this or that or you know we we're so focused on the outward appearance on what's on the outside and I didn't even intend on bringing this up but just as those words came out of my mouth I thought of the devotion I read this morning about the scripture where Jesus refers to what we're talking about as being a whitewashed tomb yeah and Man, I can't think of a better way of describing what I'm talking about. Looking at all of these things that are trying to find a place on my plate, and my plate doesn't have enough space to hold all of it. Yep. But I could try my darndest to make to get to heap all that stuff on my plate, but I'm going to be dead inside. Yep. And I'm going to be nothing more than a whitewashed tomb. I might be I might be able to muster it up and look like I'm handling it all and get accolades from people. Wow, you're doing a great job of this and that, but inside I'm just dying and it's not worth it. Yeah. I I I'm with you 100% and I have like this is just a theory I have. I don't know if it's true, but I feel like so many of us and I'm the first in line operate in such a way that I don't know if we actually even realize we believe this. But I feel like we live in such a way that we believe that when we die and we're going through like the judgment of like what's going to happen to us, that like God is going to pull the people in our life. Like he's going to be like, all right, so I'm going to bring up all your neighbors and I'm going to bring up everyone from your church and I'm going to ask them how impressed they were with your life. And if they're impressed, then you go to heaven. And if they're like, nope, he wasn't impressive, you're going to go to hell. And it's like, I don't think we would admit that we believe that, but I feel like the the urgency and the desperation in which we live for the approval of others almost makes it seem like that's what we're expecting to happen when we know in the Bible, it's going to be us and Jesus and that's it. And he's going to be like, did I know you? That's right. going to be, he's not polling any of your neighbors. He's not going to be like, you know, how impressive was your life? And, and I think like, that's even just for me, it's always convicting of like, why do I feel this just intense need to get the approval of everybody? Why do I run every decision through what's this person going to think? What's that person going to think? Um, and I, we all have it, or at least most of us do. And the question for me is just why? Why do we have this deep desire? Because I think for most of us that are like you, way overbooked, um, which I would put myself in there too, that's at the heart of a lot of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I think there's another thing going on there as well. Um, what you said, you know, trying to gain the approval of others, that's absolutely like we know that that happens. But I'm just thinking about myself personally, and maybe this can speak to someone who listens to this, but like, I can't tell you how much of my motives are based on wowing other people. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there's a component of that there. I'm not like totally innocent of that. But I will tell you that I'm pretty sure the greater motive for me is my own ideals in my head. I have this, I'm a very idealistic person. I'm, I I have like this Norman Rockwell world in my brain. Yeah. And, and I have this vision of what my life should look like mm. and what things should be part of my life and what we should do. Yeah. And it's like, I'm doing all of this to prove to myself mm. 
that we can do this. That's a good and point. And there's been times where it's come at the cost of my family. It's yeah. it's brought anxiety into our home that we didn't necessarily have to have. It's it and I'm I have a capacity to handle quite a bit, but obviously there's a limit there cuz that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. But not everyone who I'm dragging through life with me has the same capacity. Yeah. And I'm responsible for other people, not just myself. That's a great point. And so I have to think about that. Like all these grand views that I always have that I'm holding myself and everyone who's tied to me to comes at a pretty great cost at times. Now, there are times where it's extremely rewarding. Yeah. And so I'm not saying don't do great things. Right. That's kind of been a motto of mine. Like we do... We, we do stuff that's difficult. Mm-hmm. We don't shy away from things just because they're not difficult. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not right. talking about like, look for the path of least resistance. No, I think, and I think what you're hitting on, and this is something that just in my devotion time, God has been really nailing me down on is, is, you know, as a church, we're, do, we're asking a lot of questions about even just defining a disciple. What does it mean to be disciple? And the word that that always comes to me is is the word devoted. And I think it's a word that we have misunderstood, especially in the last like 50 years as the church in America is like Jesus wanted his disciples to be devoted. And, and it's a concept all over in the Bible. And we tend to think of devotion as like the depth of our passion or just how um, how much we give. But the, the, the word devoted simply just means not used for anything else. It has nothing to do with the quality of anything. You could have like a 1982 Ford Pinto, but if, if the rules are this only gets used for this purpose, then that is a devoted car. Like that's all it means is you don't, no one else gets to pull from you. No one else gets to use your resources. Only God. That's what he demanded from his followers was devotion. You didn't have to be the smartest. You didn't have to be the best. In fact, he rarely went for the smartest or the best. He wanted devotion. And I think that that's, that concept is lost because you can be like, well, so I can't go to work or I can't. The idea is you do everything for God. I mean, that's very biblical. No matter what you do, do it for the glory of God. And it's this idea of we can do the same tasks as somebody else, but if they do it for whatever, to impress somebody or like you said, for the ideal life to prove to themselves that they they can do it, it's going to pull differently than everything I do is for God. Everything. When I go to work, it's because it's for him. But it, it doesn't compete with him because it's for him. So if he asks me to do something else, then that gets dropped immediately because I'm not working for work and I'm not working for money and I'm, not, I'm working for God. So he, everything I do flows through this is for God. And I think that's what what helps us clarify. We're still going to do the mundane things, but if we do it for God, it also clarifies when it's like, okay, this extra thing that I feel pulled to do, I know that wouldn't be for God. I know that would be for a different reason. So I got I to gotta say no to that. And, and I think that's what's so hard to like, 
there's, it's just not really taught in our culture of truly living in that kind of devotion of even when I spend time with my wife, like ultimately understand that I'm honoring God. That is for God. I'm representing who he is by doing that, you know? Yeah. I think uh, that really highlights why it's so important as a Christian to make the goal or like the long game or whatever to be to just increasingly grow closer to the Lord because there are a lot of moving parts to life. It's not as simple as there's these three things that I do in my life and I know that these are what God want me to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it's more like there's 85 things going on in my life right now. Some are big, some are little, some there's no way around. It's just part of living life. Yep. Um, so there are all these different categories, different complexities. They're all interconnected. It's, it's just not clean at all. Not at all. And you're not going to figure all those things out if you're not growing closer to the Lord or you're not going to have any indication of whether you should say yes to this or no to that. Yep. Unless you are growing closer. Like that has to be a continual process or you're just going to continuously find yourself in a bind and you're still going to sometimes find yourselves in binds even when you are pursuing him and hearing from him. And, and so I think what it's to clear it, like, again, I, I hate to be this person that's like, here's where the church got it wrong, but that's the way my head works is I'm always like, what can we improve? And, um, I feel like to just, as Christians, just to understand once, once you have received salvation, once Jesus is your savior, like the rest of your life, you can boil it down to showing the world who Jesus is. Like that's it. That's the rest of your life. You can boil every single thing down to that. I show the world who Jesus is. And when you truly understand that this is the rest of my life, like if, if Jesus is my savior, this is the rest of my life. I show the world who Jesus is. Then everything is an opportunity. Even a trial is I have an opportunity to show the world how Jesus would look in this trial. Everything works out. When you go to work, I have the opportunity to show what Jesus looks like in all of these avenues. And then if, if you can truly allow that to be your purpose, then you always are in your purpose because absolutely every circumstance gives you the opportunity to show the world who Jesus is by being who he would be in that circumstance. But like you said, you you can't be like Jesus if you don't know who Jesus is. And so it's like, that's where, you know, when we encourage people to, to read their Bibles and spend time in the presence of God, that's, that's the reason is so that you can know who he is so that you can be transformed so that you can do your purpose, which is to show the world who Jesus is through your work, through your marriage or your relationships, through your parenting, all those things. And then you're devoted when you're truly saying, hey, everything I do is to show the world who Jesus is. Now you are a devoted follower. Well, and of all the names of Jesus, one of my favorite is Helper. And I guess that's kind of what I was trying to say Mm -hmm. is all of that stuff that adds the complexity of life, all the moving parts, they don't really go away. 
whether you're a believer or not. Like, they're still there. And that's why, on the surface, our life before and after, there's a lot of components of it that look the same. Yep. Or for a believer or non-believer, look exactly the same because we're all dealing with the same stuff. But as we're growing closer to him, the helper, we have him to help us through some of this stuff. And that sounds silly to someone who hasn't experienced it, but it's the absolute truth. Like, um, you know, there, there, all these things are coming my way, Lord. I don't know how to handle this right now. Yeah. Um, but that's what he, he intends to help us with that and give us guidance in that. Well, and, and Jesus, he showed us in his life that life is going to be complicated, but you don't have to submit to the complexity. Like I, on Sunday, I read four different verses just in Matthew of like Jesus had crowds, which mm-hmm. anybody that is in any sort of vocational or volunteer ministry is going to know like when you have a crowd, like that's that's it. That's the highlight. And yet Jesus over and over was like, uh, I'm dismissing the crowd. I yeah. see a crowd there. Let's go over to the other side. And he showed us what it looks like to be like, no, I don't have to submit to the complexity. And over and over, even his disciples tried to talk him into doing things. And he's like, no, no, I can do that. And and just there, there are examples in the Bible of complexity is always going to look for you. Like that, that's always going to be part of life. And, and it's going to hit quite often. And Jesus did have seasons of like, this is chaos, but he also just said, no, it was like, no, nope, right. we're going to go into the middle of a lake and I'm going to take a nap. I mean, that was, that was what Jesus did. And I think that sometimes it's, it, it just, it takes courage to say no, it really does. So we're constantly in this tension that we, that we saw in Jesus's life as well of it. It's either we are in the crowd or we're in the wilderness. Yes. And we tend to be, it's human nature for us to kind of be different people yes. in each of those settings. Yeah. Well, and I think it's human nature for us to favorite one over the other. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday, right after the sermon is my sermon was more about a lot of people tend to, press into the the crowd or the festivals, the gatherings, the events, the parades, and they tend to ignore the wilderness. Um, but then there are people that it's like they love the wilderness and they want nothing to do with the crowds. And what Jesus showed us is like you need to you need to have both because the wilderness is where love is actually grown. So just so people don't don't like miss the point here. So like the the crowds or the festivals are, it, it could be that, but they're more of a symbol of a part of our life. Do you want to describe that a little yeah, more? Absolutely. Cause we, we looked at Amos five where, where God was like, I, I hate your songs. And so explaining a little bit, cause he's like, I hate your songs. I don't want to listen to them. Cause I saw what you did in the wilderness. You had your idols. You didn't sacrifice to me in the wilderness and explaining how there's kind of two parts to 
our faith is there's the, you know, for the Israelites, it would have been the festivals. For us, it's Sunday mornings or conferences or events. And, and we tend to really like look to those things as like, yeah, we get excited and we go over the top. And that's where we looked at 1 Corinthians 13, where it says love doesn't parade itself. It doesn't puff itself up. And we have that tendency of, of wanting to go to these big mountaintop things, the, you know, teenagers go to camp and all of that. And it's like big shows of performative love. Um, but we see in the Bible that God's like, that's not really love. Can like, I, yeah. can I try to even simplify it maybe you, even absolutely. a little more? Yeah. Um, I would say, or what I'm picturing is who we are inside our home and who we are outside of our home. Absolutely. The, so like the crowd or the festival for a lot of people is the workplace. Sure. Or it's the ring of, you know, their social ring, yeah. uh, whether that's um, people they do a hobby with or parents of their kids' team, yeah. other parents, or people who they see at church. Yeah. Um, and so as humans, we have the tendency to put on a different face when we walk outside of our house. Yes. And yep. we, we tend to be a different person in the house and outside of the house. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to, to simplify it. And, and what we see in the life of Jesus is that we cannot neglect either the wilderness or the festival. Like they both are incredibly important, but we have to understand the purposes the right way. So most of us view the, again, I'll say festivals, but the outside, the home, the gatherings, the events, the conferences as the place to develop ourselves, to, to receive. And then we view the wilderness as a place to survive. So it's like, all right, I receive and then I survive. That is not what we see from Jesus. He actually, the wilderness is the place that he received. The wilderness is where he got what he needed. And then the festival or the crowds was the place that he gave. And so few Christians view it that way. Uh, and there's no better time to talk about that than Holy Week. Yeah, exactly. It is. And that's how many of we us saw truly all think of that, that go full spectrum yeah. in, in a short amount of time, which just uh, really highlights human nature. Absolutely. How how quick we can flip the switch. Yes. Well, and just how how important it is to understand the purpose of what you do. Like to understand the purpose. I mean, we talked about, you know, last week we talked about storms and trials and understanding the purpose of them is so important of not just being able to walk through it, but understand the purpose of it. Um, you know, that's incredibly important to life. And, and that's where I, I just, I always, I'm a dreamer. So I'm like, what would, what would Sunday morning look like if Christians viewed their week as the place to have like real deep gritty, as I said on Sunday, love developed in them. And then Sunday morning, they viewed that as the place to pour that love out on other people. What would a Sunday morning service look like if instead of viewing it as like, this is my place to, to receive enough to survive my week, and instead they viewed it as, yes, I, I should receive, but also come in with the love that's been developed in the week so that everyone gathered is just has something to bring into that. I think that that, that would completely change 
what Sunday mornings look like. And I think that's the heart of God and what that's why he, you know, told the Israelites, if, if, if you can't love me in the wilderness, then the festivals are meaningless. And that's where I think no fault of anybody else of just this hasn't really been taught. It has been right. taught, like survive your week and then come on Sunday and get enough to survive the next week. And I just think that's philosophically not the way God intended things to be. I would like to, as we move toward wrapping up, I'd like for us, and this is going to put us on the spot a little bit, but to try to think of a way to leave a shot of encouragement to anyone listening to this. Because I think there is a, this isn't really easy stuff because we're basically talking about, you know, in scripture it says be of the world, but, or be yeah. in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. Uh, basically, that means uh, there's no way around it. We're in this world, just like everyone else who we're doing life with, yep. whether they are a Christian or a non-believer. We're yep. all in it together, but we're called to remain in it, but to not be exactly like it. But that is like easier said than done right. often. Right. And so I think... The last thing we want is for people to hear this type of message and be like, I'm failing. Sure. There's no use trying. Sure. You know? And so how can we leave some sort of encouragement? And I think where I would start it is this struggle is real. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are a Christian who feels like you're two different people often and you're just frustrated with yourself... Like the first thing that I would say is the Bible is full of examples of how much grace God has on us. And we have to be willing to extend that grace, not only to other people, but to ourselves as well. We have to be able to forgive ourselves when we screw up, when we are one way in one setting and someone else in another setting. Like this isn't giving that a free pass. That is something that we have to be cognizant of. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we mess up, we have to extend grace for ourselves. Absolutely. And I think, I hope people get that the the heart of this is not any sort of blame because I think if I'm being honest, I can't fault anybody for doing this because whether it's been spoken or unspoken, it's been taught to us. So it makes total sense that we do this because it has been taught to us. So yeah, if you're listening and you're like, I'm a totally different person at church than I am at home. I, yeah, that makes sense. Cause you've been taught to do that. You've been rewarded for doing that since you were a little kid. But for me, the encouragement, and this is what's so exciting is not only is it okay to not pretend like even if you hate what you look like when you don't pretend even if it's like you you look in the mirror and you're like oh and it just guts you up if you are courageous enough to just bring that person and worship God on a Sunday as that person we see right in Jesus teaching when he talks about prayer he sees the Pharisee who stands up and gives this huge prayer that's every, and he's like, I can't stand that guy. And then literally the, the tax collector that's, that's on his knees and literally can just utter out, God have mercy on me, a sinner. He's like, love that prayer. 
and just understand that not only does God, is he not going to kick you out for the person you are? Like he is pleased. That's like, that's what he's about. And to me, that's the encouragement that hopefully people get is like, I'm not, it's not even about like that amazing person that you pretend to be on Sunday. You better become that person in the wilderness. That's not even what I'm saying. I'm just saying that person that you are in the wilderness, just bring that person on Sunday morning and start there. And I, that's way more doable, but that's also a lot scarier for people. And that's what, for me, I'm hoping that I can just give people that permission of that's, that's the heart of Jesus. I want that tax collector who just says, have mercy on me, a sinner. He's like, I love that right. prayer. And I think we could probably talk a lot more about the wilderness specifically. Like there's people who uh, intentionally go into the wilderness. Yep. There's people who end up there um, by choices. There's people who end up there against their will. Yep. Um, it doesn't really matter. The wilderness is the wilderness. It doesn't really matter why you're there. And I think the important thing to remember is the wilderness, as we're referring to it, is basically who you are when you're not in the masses, yep. when you're not um, visible to a group of people or whatever. Yep. And so that that is a place that can be really tough for people, mm-hmm. but it is also a place that can develop people as well and I think that's that was one point you made yesterday and I think that might be a good place to end today but um, so whether we end up alone because of choices or just because we we have to we have to retreat there to get away from the world like that experience is essential for developing who we are and then the next task is what can you take from that experience and keep with you as you go outside of the home into the world yeah the wilderness is coming for all of us it really doesn't matter like and and that's i remember when i i I used to work out and i i didn't take like protein and i didn't take creatine because i was like i don't need that or whatever and i remember somebody was like you're working out anyways you might as well literally take this because you're already going through the pain of working out why not get the results for fully by taking these things that helps your body to actually process and do this and i think it's you're gonna go through the wilderness anyways whether you have the right attitude towards it or not the wilderness is coming so it's like you might as well reap the results of it you might as well take that stuff with you and and i hope that that's encouragement too of like we're not even asking you to go through anything that you wouldn't be going through anyways. We're just encouraging you to truly reap the benefits of the things that you're already going to be going through and, and allow God to really show you what they can be used for in his design. Right. So that's a good way to end. Yeah. Do you want to pray us out? Yeah. Well, Lord, uh, we thank you for this conversation, um, today and, especially as we go through Holy Week um, and just really look in anticipation toward Sunday and what that means. We saw examples of you pursuing the wilderness. And I just pray that this week, especially as people listen to this, that you can show us ways to experience that 
and to grow out of that and to grow closer to you, uh, especially um, as we go through this week and just reflect on everything that it means. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.